Sask Egg Today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to Sask Egg Today. Coming up on today's program, producers who haven't yet purchased their urea fertilizer will want to do so before the second half of February. That's one of the recommendations from a session yesterday at Manitoba Ag Days in Brandon. Kevin Hirsch, Chief Agricultural Editor for SaskAgToday.com, was there for the Global Fertilizer Market Outlook, and he'll file a report for us. As well, coming up on today's program, Canada and the United Kingdom are nearing the 10th round of negotiations for a bilateral trade deal, and one issue is standing in the way of both countries expanding their trade portfolios. It's Canada's beef standards. We will hear from Canada's High Commissioner in the United Kingdom, Ralph Goodale, who is close to the negotiations and tells us where they stand right now. Andy Paston, a farmer from Tilsonburg, Ontario, was one of the panelists at an Ag Day session dealing with social media and agriculture. We will hear from him as he has an interview with Kevin Hirsch of SaskAgToday.com as well. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of SaskAg Today. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Welcome back to SaskAg Today. Producers who haven't yet purchased their urea fertilizer will want to do so before the second half of February. That's one of the recommendations from a session yesterday at Manitoba Ag Days in Brandon. Kevin Hirsch, Chief Agricultural Editor for SaskAgToday.com, was there for the Global Fertilizer Market Outlook, and he has this report. The outlook was provided by Noah Bishop, a trader with ADM Fertilizer. ADM is a worldwide player in fertilizer markets. On nitrogen, Bishop notes that urea has dropped from the highs of previous years. Prices bottomed out in the July-August time period, moved higher in September and October, and then softened into January. Prices have rebounded a bit in the past week or so, with the price to prairie farmers currently around $700 a tonne. Bishop has somewhat different recommendations for when to purchase urea versus ammonia. He starts with urea. If they wanted to buy today, I don't think they will see significant backwardation. They may see a little bit, um, but I think producers need to be uh, need to be very connected to the market and make a decision on uh, or purchase their product before we get into North American demand, which will kick in in March. So by the end of February, you ought to have your your urea or your uh, UAN procured. Uh, on the ammonia side, uh, like I said, uh, we've seen precipitous declines in ammonia pricing globally uh, due to oncoming uh, Russian export capacity. Um, and so the ammonia market will be a difficult balance between waiting for interior ammonia prices in the U.S. to catch up with the softening global prices, all while not getting caught on the wrong side that when demand comes forward, it pushes prices up again. So I think if you're an ammonia consumer, I would not lock in that price today. I would be quite patient. Um, urea, you probably want to be doing something in the next 30 days. 
While nitrogen products are a better deal than previous years, phosphate is relatively expensive at nearly $1,100 a ton, and Bishop doesn't expect that to change before seeding. Our general expectation is that there'll be no change in phosphate prices or no dramatic change in phosphate prices as we move through to spring um, due to a backwardation in key inputs for phosphate production, namely ammonia and sulfuric acid. We, we do have a general expectation that uh, phosphate prices will see a reset in price uh, as we get into the summer fill time period. Ammonium sulfate appears relatively firm and is relatively high priced at around $500 a ton. Elemental sulfur is considerably less expensive per pound of sulfur. On potash, less volatility is expected than what we've seen in recent years. Obviously, we've got to keep an eye on the Red Sea issues. A lot of potash is produced in Israel, um, and it needs to make its way to markets through the Suez Canal. Um, but generally, we've, we've seen a stabilization. We've, we've found a market price now where I feel supply has met demand. Um, uh, and I, I don't, uh, we've already ran the experiment, right? What, what does $900 or $1,000 potash do? It kills demand. So, um, you know, without some dramatic change in the underlying market, I don't see as uh, a massive run in terms of potash appreciation. Again, we'll probably catch some seasonal appreciation as we get into demand in March, April, May. Um, so you may see slightly higher prices uh, once we get into planting, but I really don't think it's a product that will see dramatic shifts in pricing on it. It'll be relatively stable and less volatile. Potash is currently retailing in the $600 to $650 a ton range. Noah Bishop notes that a large number of factors are involved in fertilizer values. Unforeseen geopolitical events can quickly change the market. For Saskag Today at Manitoba Ag Days in Brandon, I'm Kevin Hirsch. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94, Ag Review. With 2024 well underway, canola has very little reason to get excited. That's according to analyst Wayne Palmer of Exceed Grain in Winnipeg. He says we're trading at levels unseen since 2022, and he doesn't see a reason why anything can rally unless there's something really unforeseen. Palmer says the speculative funds rule the roost these days, and whatever the funds are going to do, they're going to take the market wherever they want to. Palmer says farmers were long by storing much of their canola. For the last three years, prices were higher. But now it's a total reverse. He says prices are lower and farmers are looking for a miracle play on the upside. One such miracle would be a huge jump in exports, which are extremely unlikely at this time. Corn and soybean contracts hit new lows, while wheat saw its weakest prices in nearly two months on the Chicago Board of Trade during the week ended yesterday. Bearish production estimates for corn and soybeans from the United States Department of Agriculture's monthly supply and demand report released on Friday had major effects on prices. That's according to Jack Scoville from the Price Futures Group in Chicago. He says they increased yields for corn and soybeans in a rather significant way. The USDA really did increase demand, especially on the corn side, because of the increased production but they didn't increase demand as much as they increased production. He says that caught the market by surprise. Olimel is laying off 100 workers from its Red Deer Alberta pork processing facility. 
To support employees, the company is implementing an early retirement incentive program. Workers over 60 years old with at least 10 years of service as of January 30th would be eligible for this program. Any further layoffs will depend on the success of the early retirement program. And affected employees could be called back to work. Production and processing challenges are cited as reasons for the layoffs. In May of 2023, for example, Ole Mel announced reductions at five production facilities in Alberta and one in Saskatchewan. This reduced the company's sow herd by almost 30 percent. The union representing workers at the Red Deer facility are calling on the provincial government to offer support. The Philippines Farm Ministry says it has banned poultry imports from California and Ohio because of several outbreaks there of highly pathogenic avian influenza. The ban, which aims to protect the health of the Philippines' poultry population, covers imports of domesticated and wild birds, including poultry meat and eggs. All shipments coming from California and Ohio that are already in transit, loaded or accepted at Philippine ports before January 15th, will be allowed entry if they were slaughtered two weeks before the outbreak began. In 2023, the Philippines imported 166,356 metric tons of poultry products, worth $175.8 million from the United States, which is the second largest supplier to the Southeast Asian nation, accounting for 40% of arrivals. Earlier this month, the Philippines halted imports of poultry products from Belgium and France, also because of a bird flu outbreak. The Baltic Dry Index, or BDI, a major indicator of bulk shipping rates, has dropped sharply over the past month after hitting 18-month highs in early December. Meanwhile, container rates have climbed higher over the same period as attacks by Houthi militants in the Red Sea have caused many shipping companies to divert their vessels. The BDI settled at 1,360 points on Monday, dropping 59% off the high of 3,346 points hit on December 4th of 2023 to trade at its lowest level in four months. The BDI is compiled by the London-based Baltic Exchange and provides an assessment of the price of moving major raw materials by sea. A seasonal slowdown, reduced congestion at Brazilian ports, and cancellations of some vessels headed from China to North America were all said to be contributing to the declining rates. And Saskag Today is always available on podcast. Listen to past shows whenever you want. Find them easily by going to gx94radio.com. Also, you can hear the podcast on your Amazon Echo. Just enable the GX94 skill and choose Saskag Today. And yes, it is free. It's time now to head back out once again to Danny Ismond. Well, we're at Yorkton Hyundai today and having a wonderful day here. We are joined with Taylor, and Taylor, you do have a lot of things on the go right now at uh, Yorkton Hyundai, some programs and uh, some awesome deals and vehicles, too. Absolutely. Great overview. We've got quite a bit of selection on 2024 inventory that has arrived and is incoming as well. Another big point, our 2023 Santa Fe's. We're at the tail end of those. We're not expecting a whole lot coming in for a little while 
but the 2024 new redesign. We've got information out. Stop in if that's what you're looking for. Right now, we've got promos on iHeart Winter Sales Event. Uh, great options. Don't pay for 90 days on all select models on approved credit, of course, as well as in service. We've got the road trip ready, complete detail and synthetic oil change, two twenty nine ninety five plus tax. That's only going to be on until the end of February. So, yeah, there is a lot going on. Come on down. All right. And if you do have questions, maybe uh, you want to find out something about one of their newer pre-owned vehicles, definitely get a hold of Taylor at 1-800-565-0002. But you know what? Get out uh, from the outside and get in here to a nice hot coffee or hot chocolate and then take the test drive at 115 Palliser Way. It's Yorkton Hyundai. Welcome back to Saskag Today. I'm Doug Falconer. We have light snow and blowing snow and minus 20 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. Canada and the United Kingdom are nearing the 10th round of negotiations for a bilateral trade deal, and one issue is standing in the way of both countries expanding their trade portfolios. Canada's beef standards and practices are generally regarded as some of the best in the world, but the UK disagrees for the seemingly simple reason ours is different from theirs. As a result, no Canadian beef is able to go to Great Britain, while the British have full market access to Canada for their beef products. Canada's High Commissioner in the United Kingdom, Ralph Goodale, is close to the negotiations and says the issue remains a work in progress. The reason for that prohibition or that ban, that British ban on Canadian beef going into the British market, is because they say, of our use of growth hormones in uh, our animal husbandry practices. And that's a, a, a common practice in the beef industry right across North America. It's not just a Canadian thing. It's in the United States as well. The use of hormones is a very, very common practice. And it's uh, perfectly safe and healthy from a, both a health of animals point of view and a, and a public health uh, point of view. Uh, there is absolutely no scientific basis whatsoever for uh, a ban based on the use of hormones. It is simply not uh, a scientific-based prohibition at all. It's purely a non-scientific, non-tariff, protectionist trade barrier. And um, it's something that the countries that really do want to engage in free trade need to move way beyond those old, outdated practices. Another layer is the UK wanting to join the Comprehensive and Progressive Trans-Pacific Partnership, or CPTPP. The 11 founding members, including Canada, are in the middle of a ratification vote to approve Britain's application to join. Goodale says even if the UK joins the trade pact, they must address their arbitrary ban on Canadian beef. And the agreement for the CPTPP says very clearly, if you have a measure in place at your border that restricts the flow of trade, then that measure has to be science-based. There is no doubt about the meaning of the CPTPP. Well, lo and behold, the United Kingdom wants to join the CPTPP. Uh, hooray! <laughs> they would make the uh, the CPTPP bigger and more global and, and bring value to the marketplace and to the supply chains 
But of course, the UK will have to adhere to the rules of the CPTPP. And those rules say you can't have a border measure restricting trade unless it is based in sound science and you can prove its scientific legitimacy. He says the issue can be resolved three ways beforehand at the bargaining table through dispute settlement litigation with the World Trade Organization or retaliatory tariffs. The goal is to have a deal finalized by March or April this year, but Goodale says it may take a little longer depending on how well things go next month when the next round of talks begins. Livestock Market Conditions U.S. live cattle futures for February are trading at 174.77. That's up 167. April live cattle trading at 177.62, up two full cents. March feeder cattle trading at 232.52, up 275. April feeder cattle trading at 237.72, up 252. February lean hogs trading at 71.15, down 30. April lean hogs trading at 78.32, up 35. And that's the livestock market conditions. Now it's time for the Heartland Livestock Report from Yorkton. Good afternoon. This is the Yorkton Heartland Livestock Market Report for the week of January the 17th. We had some brave souls who hauled cattle on Monday and Tuesday. We managed to get 1,000 head in the short, 115 cows of bulls, a total of 11.15 for the day. This cold weather does not keep these buyers away. They were all here once again. A job well done to them. We say thanks to all the buyers. Cows were a bit higher here, and the bulls were steady. D1, D2 cows, 110 to 120, sales to 121, 122, D3 cows, 95 to 110. We had no old, weaker, blemish cows this week, uh, I guess maybe that was a good thing. Cows are averaging 116.50. From that good Esterhazy area, 1,500-pound cows, they topped out at 124. Good bulls, 136 to 146. Bulls are averaging 136. From that good Foam Lake area, 2,100-pound bulls, they topped out at 149. Onto the pre-sort sale. Selling strong and active. Lots of good quality cattle here once again. Listen up. 420-pound black steers, 458. 500-pounders, 435. 575 red-black exotic steers. 416. The 650s at 357. My favorite pen, 710 pound tan steers, 347. 780 pound steers at 326. 850s at 309. And 950 pound steers at 283. On to the heifers. 420 pound tan heifers for 351. 500 pounders, 346. 575 pound heifers, 330. The 650s at 321. 710-pound red black exotic heifers, 290, and 780-pound black heifers at 278. Highlight of the morning, one of my favorite pens here again, 710-pound black steers, they topped out at 351.50. And 710-pound tan heifers, they topped out at 296.50. A pretty darn good sale considering the weather. Pre-start sale next week, 2,600 head consigned so far. Should be another good one. And... First red cow sale of the year, Friday, January 26, 225 head consigned. More details next week. We also added another bread cow sale for Friday, February the 2nd, 250 head consigned for that sale. That's it for this week at Heartland Yorkton. I'm Harvey Exner. Have a good day. 
And it's time now to check in once again with Danny Ismond. Well, it's been a great day here at Yorkton Hyundai today, and we still encourage you to come on by. We're joined with Ron Caban, and Ron, uh, you know what? The great deals and everything continues. It's a brisky day today, Danny. The winds are blowing, but it's nice inside the showroom. As you see, we got some nice units in the showroom here. We got a Santa Cruz Elantra, and I think what is up behind is a venue. Yes. So yeah, we so we got some nice stuff inside to come take a look at if it's too cold outside. But these things will start no matter what. So come on down, make an appointment. We'll even get it warmed up for you. Come on now and take a look. we got some nice stuff to look at. And, of course, I know you guys went over the stuff we have in the service department, our wheel alignment and oil change specials, and also the what is the complete detail and oil change, synthetic oil change. That's a good thing. Again, we'll wash them up, do whatever we got to do to make it good. And, again, we work on all makes and models. Uh, we do a lot of construction outfits that bring all kinds of trucks to us, so we, we do that as well. So if you if you got a fleet that you need worked on, we can do on that. And we're also open Saturdays, as probably maybe some people don't know. So we're here from uh, eight to five, eight to four, sorry, on Saturday, so we can help you out there. We usually have a journeyman here and a couple apprentices, so we always got people to help you out. Perfect. And you know what? You were talking about how in nasty outside. I think it's a perfect day to find out what those heated seats, heated steering wheel, heated everything can do for. That you. is correct. They are beauty. Right today, I'll tell you. I just went for cruise uh, for a drive. Actually, went for lunch with the Santa Cruz. And yes, it's very nice. All right, come and see what it's about for yourself. We are located at 115 Palliser Way. It's Yorkton Hyundai. Welcome back to Saskang today. Andy Paston, a farmer from Tilsonburg, Ontario, was one of the panelists at a Manitoba Ag Day session dealing with social media and agriculture. Paston goes by the Twitter handle Andy Clean because his social media posts resulted in the launch of a soap product for cleaning farm equipment. Kevin Hirsch of SaskGangToday.com interviewed Andy Clean. So Andy, I know you've been asked this question a hundred times, but tell me the story of, of Andy Clean. Okay, so so it just basically got started from Twitter. I love keeping my equipment clean. So I just, you know, I started posting pictures of the before and after when I was washing because it was winter time and there was really not much going on other than that. So I actually had a farmer just comment on one of my pictures and he just hashtagged it Andy Clean and that's how it all kind of got started. So yeah. So where did it go from there? How successful has Andy Clean become? You have your own own line of soap, right? Yep, yep, yep. So we got our own brand of soap that has a part number in John Deere. And if you told me four years ago I'd be doing something like this and have a part number in John Deere, I would have told you crazy. But yeah, so that's kind of where it's gone. It's gone from a hashtag to going a little viral on Twitter and now to actually being a product and being available at your store to buy it. So yeah. So is it successful? Are you, yes. are you getting good sales? Well, You're happy with it? So yeah, well, you know, we would have considered two jugs, uh, like selling two jugs as a success, right? But yeah, so it's actually far outpace what I thought I would I would ever imagine, right? So, but I can't retire from farming, right? And I, I'm not farming with money still yet, so, so, but as far as the people I get to meet and the places I get to go, it's been a, a major, huge success. Yes. You, you probably get to go down the, in the U.S. with John Deere and see some of their operations down there. Yeah, yeah. So so basically the bulk of our sales are in the U.S. just because, you know, population rise, right? And the amount of farmers. But yeah, we've been all over the place and 
and yeah we've been to get to jump in the shows with John Deere and their booth and stuff like that right so so yeah it's it's pretty awesome so tell me about the equipment so this is this is a foaming agent yep. before you wash yeah yeah so actually yeah it, it, you put it in a foam cannon you run it straight and it just foams it on your equipment right I still recommend scrubbing because we made our soap strong enough to work but not too strong where you have to worry about it wrecking anything if you leave it on too long right so so if you really want a, a deep deep clean you know I recommend scrubbing but it's great for a quick wash if you want to spray it on and rinse it off works great that ways too so yeah so is it uh, available to people allergic to, to green John Deere can you get it elsewhere or you have to go to John Deere <laughs> so it's got a part number in A&I now so the A&I part number is ACAM1 so your local case dealer New Holland dealer if they have an A&I part number they can get the soap in so yeah great to see you out in uh, in Western Canada what's your perception of being out here you know what I love it because how wide open it is so I'm from southern Ontario so it's a lot more smaller farms sizes right the field sizes aren't as big where you get out here and it's just wide open I I called my dad uh, the next day after I flew in here I was like I think we should move to Manitoba so yeah he goes I don't know if I can take the cold so so yeah but other than the cold yeah it's really cold but the people are really warm so yeah that's what that's what's awesome so you are you uh, straight green are you green and vegetables or are you yeah yeah so we're corn and beans and then vegetables too we got cucumbers and peppers so so yeah so that that keeps our summer really busy with the vegetable side so so no trips to the to the cottage or as you guys call them out here cabins right so so yeah so it's it's a pretty busy but what else are we going to do right that's what we do we're farmers so yeah that's Andy Paston, a farmer from Tilsonburg, Ontario. He was speaking at Manitoba Ag Days yesterday with SaskAgToday.com's Chief Agricultural Editor, Kevin Hirsch. Commodities Update. Canola futures are trading up across the board this hour. March canola trading at 630.70, up $4 per metric ton. May canola trading at 6.37.10, up $3.60. March Minneapolis wheat trading at 6.91 and a half, up 11 and a quarter cents. March Kansas City wheat trading at 6.06 and a half, up 12 and a half cents. March Chicago wheat trading at 5.86 and a quarter, up three and three quarters of a cent. March corn trading at 4.43 and three quarters, up one and a half cents. March soybeans trading at 12.14 per bushel, that's up eight and a quarter cents. March oats trading at 3.68 and three quarters, up 15 and a quarter cents. And that's the commodities update. Please stay tuned. Saskag today will resume in one minute's time. Welcome back to Saskag Today. A member of this year's class going into the Saskatchewan Agricultural Hall of Fame was a major contributor to the pulse crop industry. Grant Carlson was part of the formation of the Saskatchewan Pulse Crop Board in the early to mid-1980s, as well as part of the decision to introduce the Saskatchewan Pulse Crop Levy. We had some people on that board with a, a really uh, long-term vision and we decided as a group, well, we needed to, to pull the industry ahead. 
was more funds and and uh, and the way to get those funds was a mandatory checkup on all pulse crops grown in Saskatchewan. And there was an ability to do that through some legislation that the Saskatchewan government uh, had in place. And it was it was a lengthy procedure. And uh, of course, we initially had to have a vote at, on at, at the association level to go ahead with this. I think it was it was unanimous to go ahead, and we went through the lengthy procedure to to be approved to uh, to make this big step of a mandatory. That was the key, mandatory and. Uh, once we started receiving those funds, we were able to uh, leverage those funds with funds available from governments and industry. We put in a portion and, and they would put in a portion and we were able to do some very, very interesting uh, research and, and plots and develop new varieties. It was an exciting time in the pulse industry. Carlson says the levy was created out of necessity. Dollars from governments were getting smaller and smaller. Uh, and. Uh, and uh, th there was some kickback. Uh, people just didn't understand. You know, governments used to do the research, uh, and uh, well, let them to do the research. But uh, but some of the long-term visionaries on that on our association said, well, they're not doing it, and they're not uh, and they're not going to restart. And so, if we want to take our industry ahead, we we need to we need to find our own funds. And then once again, we leveraged those funds uh, with government money and industry money, and we were able to do, I think, great things. When the levy was introduced, Carlson says there was resistance at first. We had at least at least one person on our uh, on our association that was initially very much against it. It didn't take long, but it, it took some uh, some lengthy conversations and discussions about why this was important and uh, and and the same kind of discussions took place one-on-one -on -one with growers right around the province uh, uh, even though, even once it was introduced uh, uh, you know, they, they just didn't understand why why they had to uh, have a portion of their hard-earned dollars come off and go to this new entity uh, Saskatchewan Pulse Crop Development Board it was, as it was called at that time and uh, so yeah there was some there was some pushback but uh, but uh, it went ahead, and it went ahead with the vast, vast majority of producers being in favor. During his 50 years in agriculture, Carlson operated his family farm, Keg Farm Limited, and a seed processing plant, Keg Agro. His business shipped pulses to countries including Pakistan, Turkey, India, the United States, and Mexico and also acted as a local hub for other producers to access global markets, rental equipment, and agricultural inputs. He was also involved in multiple research projects with the Crop Development Center at the University of Saskatchewan's College of Agriculture and Bioresources. Carlson says it's surreal to think about how far the pulse industry has come from then to now. It literally was billions of dollars Put it, put it in the economy, province-wide, and uh, it all. And most of the enterprises X started with uh, with uh, some farmer that had an idea that he could grow peas in Tisdale or chickpeas in Swift Current or lentils at Elrose or Rosetown or Outlook and and fava beans different places. It all started with that idea. A lot of them started at. 10 acres and didn't have anywhere to sell it and 
and it just went from 10 acres to quarter sections to sections to literally hundreds of thousands of acres right across the province, putting lots of people to work and billions of dollars into the Saskatchewan economy yearly. Carlson and five others will be formally inducted into the Saskatchewan Agricultural Hall of Fame in Saskatoon on Saturday, April 13th. It's now 1 o'clock, time to check the GX94 Precision Weather Forecast. For the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions, an extreme cold warning is in effect. For today, a 70% chance of scattered snow showers, up to 2 centimeters possible. Winds west-northwest at 15 to 30. A high of minus 18, a wind chill of minus 29. For tonight, cloudy with a 40% chance of flurries, a low of minus 24, a wind chill of minus 36. For tomorrow, partly sunny. Winds west-northwest at 10 to 20, a high of minus 18, a wind chill of minus 27, an overnight low of minus 25. For Saturday, partly sunny with a 30% chance of late-day flurries. Winds south-southeast at 15 to 25, a high of minus 12, a wind chill of minus 20. For Sunday, partly sunny with a 40% chance of a few flurries, a high of minus 10. And Monday, a 60% chance of light snow, also a high of minus 10. In the Paw, it's minus 18 degrees, Swan River minus 19, Dauphin and Brandon minus 21, Show Lake Russell and Roblin minus 23. Regina and Winyard Wadena Kelvington reporting in at minus 22, Saskatoon, Broadview Mooseman, Indian Head minus 21, Hudson Bay minus 19. The Yorkton Melville region has snow and blowing snow. Winds west-northwest at 39, gusting to 58 kilometers an hour. 78% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 20 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 34 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for SaskAg Today for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines.